Welcome to the Career Transition Podcast. My name is Nada Bohendi. I'm a master career coach, and I love helping people transition into jobs that they absolutely love. So today we are going to talk about a topic that is the favorite for everyone, resumes. I'm being totally sarcastic. Um, I am going to break it down for you so that you never have to resent resumes. And dare I say, it becomes a fun experience. So today we have with me John, who's going to help me facilitate this conversation because it's honestly hard for me to take it out of my head when I've been doing this day in and day out. Hey, when we suffer, we got to suffer together, right? What's the point of doing something annoying if we have to do it ourselves? But sounds like you made a big promise about making this fun, and I'm excited to see where this is going to go. Yeah. Amazing. So let's start by talking about the what you call creating your experience timeline. I already love the sound of that. So please go into that. What is um, curating our experience timeline? Yes. So um, I guess I got my inspiration from when I momentarily went to chef school. Uh, didn't work out, <laughs> but learned a lot. And the concept is when you're training to be a chef and you're preparing a large meal that is consistent for so many people in a restaurant, you have to be extremely organized. And so you measure out all your ingredients, you set them on the table, and that will help you push out consistently high quality meals. So the way I teach my clients when they build their resume is rather than going in and, and going right into the template and putting a bunch of stuff, you need to create some sort of outline. It's like how you write a novel, how you write an essay. You need to have an outline before you go in and invest on, in all of those topics. And a big mistake that people make is that they um, spend too much time writing about positions and roles that may not even have to be on their resume. So what we do first is create an outline with the company names, the titles, and the dates. And then when we lay it out, we decide what to remove and what to include. Mm -hmm. And I have a number of like tricks, especially for people who maybe had a lot of short duration roles. I have a trick around that um, so that they um, don't create red flags for recruiters. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned the, the special word dates. How many years, and I'm sure you get this question all the time, how many years should people go back when they look at curating their timeline? So the rule of th uh, thumb is 10 years. Um, and especially for background checks, companies usually don't go beyond 10 years. It does depend, though, what role you're going after. If you are going after a leadership role like a director level and above and the job postings tend to ask for more than 10 years of experience, right? Then it's been, it might be beneficial to go back a little bit farther. It really depends on whether going back is going to add value. And if it doesn't, let's say you had an internship, then I would not include that, right? Mm. Or if it's a role that's completely different than what you're trying to get into and it doesn't add value, then I wouldn't go that far back. Um, so 10 years is generally the rule of thumb. Mm, okay. Now, what about knowing, because you touched on this a little bit as well, knowing what to include and what not to include and sequencing. 
And for everybody who's listening, as you can tell from the previous episodes, Nada is very generous with all of this. And she also has everything laid out in her program so that you can really deep dive into this, which is great. But kind of broad strokes, Nada, can you tell us about which to include, which not to include, and things like that in sequencing? Absolutely. So the big red flag that we want to address is having too many unemployment gaps. Okay. So um, I would try as much as possible to fill those gaps. Even if the position was a short duration, I would try to include it. Um, I would say that anything that's more than four month gap can create a red flag. Um, so that's one of the motives in terms of determining what to include. Mm -hmm. Now, I have situations where people have done a lot of contracts. And when it's seen in a resume, it, it may give the recruiter an impression, especially if it's not clear that it's a contract, that you're jumping around in organizations, between mm. organizations. So one thing that I do is I um, tell people that if you are doing a lot of contracts and they're just too many and they're just short duration, Mm -hmm. You may want to consider bundling them up under mm. your name. Yes. Yeah. So you want to bundle them up under your name, right? Um, because technically, you are working for yourself. You're not working yeah. for the organization as an employee. So Correct. that's a strategy that I use. And we end up sort of um, putting the date only at the company level rather Correct. than the individual positions. Um, and that can remove this whole bias around you jumping around. And mm. then when that happens, you don't necessarily have to include every single contract that you've done. You can include the contracts that benefit you um, and you have leverage that way. The other thing I wanted to say is people feel that they that they need to include everything. Like as if, you know, there's the CIA who's going to go and hunt and see where you've worked at, at, at places without you telling them. By the way, you're not obligated to disclose every single company that you worked for. The only time that um, a company is going to find out whether you work somewhere or not is by filling out the form for the background check and giving mm. them permission to check that you've worked in these places. Yeah. So you so don't cool. have to, you know, disclose everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, I mean, we, you use the word curate and this really is so much curation because you go into this so detail. And I love this because you also have been talking about crafting a story. And at the end of the day, a big part of the resume is telling the story. Now, along with story, you mentioned in season two, episode one, about having this new avatar, this person that we want to present ourselves to be. And so learning the avatar's language is really important. And so can you talk to us about how we can learn more about our avatar's new language and maybe even picking the right stories? Absolutely. So step number one, after we've identified what our ideal job is, and by the way, if you haven't listened to the episode around 
a career sweet spot and identifying your ideal job, I highly recommend you do that because mm -hmm. if you don't know what you're going after, your branding is going to be unfocused. It's going to be off. When a recruiter looks at your resume, they're going to wonder, what does this person want? What do they want to do? Right? Mm -hmm. So I definitely recommend um, figuring that out first. And there's the career archetype quiz that I talk about that helps people figure that out. Well, let's say you have figured out what your ideal job is. Let's say you're going after product manager or, or scrum master or whatever the role is, learning consultant. Um, what I recommend people do is find a job posting that aligns with all of the roles and responsibilities that they enjoy doing and use that as a criteria. Mm. So that we're not just assuming what, a, what companies want. So we have something that we can, that can, we, that we can use as a benchmark, right? Mm. And the biggest mistake that I honestly see, as, as simple as that sounds, is people do not read job postings carefully. Use it as a checklist. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And take each bullet from the roles and responsibilities section and the minimum requirements as a question to yourself. Turn it into a question. Ask yourself, okay, was there a project that I've done that exhibits this role and this task that they're asking for? For example, if they talk about, we want someone to facilitate sessions with different stakeholders, think of a project that you've done where you had that opportunity and talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. That's how you know what to include. And um, I have a special resume worksheet that I give people that acts as a template that allows them to um, go step-by-step step and determine what to include, uh, what stories to tell. I even have flashcards that ins inspire people to identify stories of things that they've done. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that worksheet, one of the steps in the worksheet that I ask people to do is um, identify three big, three impactful projects that you were part of. Start there. And then for each project, think about three different wins, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and by going through that, we start sort of um, reverse engineering you know, mm. and ensuring that we are aligning to the job posting requirements. So that's, mm. that's the approach. Um, of course, I use a lot of storytelling techniques to elicit those ideas because people often forget, but that's mm -hmm. the first approach. Now, the part that you asked me about the avatar language, right? Mm. Here's the problem. When people talk about what they've done, they use a lot of lingo that is only internal to their organization. And they try to overcomplicate things. You gotta simplify the language so that someone outside of your industry, someone um, who's not familiar with what your organization does, understands it. That's one piece of the puzzle. The second piece of the puzzle is that if, especially if you're going through a career transition, you have to speak the same way that people in that role that you're going after speak. Mm -hmm. So simple example, if you are a project manager transitioning into a product 
you know, management role. Mm-hmm. Stop talking about projects. Let's talk about products because you are building digital products. You, your company may, you, in your role, you may have called them projects, but at the end of the day, they were products that you, you allowed your team to build. That, just that small, simple shift mm-hmm. makes a huge difference and makes the recruiter sees you as that new avatar. And that's what I mean by use your avatar's language. Like instead of saying things like project plan, product roadmap, right? It's the same thing in a way, just different language. Mm. And I think a lot of times people may not be fully aware of what the right language is. So that's why working with you, a career coach, is really important. And I almost feel like you need to have a second role. You can be called a reverse engineer as well, because what you just said about figuring out what the job description is and then using that as a question to answer what people need to put in the resume is so brilliant. It's obvious, but a lot of people don't do it. And then they end up having resumes that are not going to be looked at. So this actually flows into our very first question from your community. But before uh, that question comes, do you have anything else to add or do we want to jump into the question? We can jump into the question. Okay, amazing, because it's so fitting. And I also love what you said about how we need to give what people are looking for and not just say what we want to say. And I think a lot of times we're stuck in that mode of just wanting to say things that are not relevant at all. So this question says, do I include everything I've done even if it's not related to the new role that I'm going after. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but people feel like they have the obligation to describe every single little detail that they've done in their jobs when they go into their resume. I don't know if there's this fear about lying. You're not lying. You're just including information that the person who's reading your resume is interested in. What you're doing is actually trying to be focused and concise. Um, And concise doesn't necessarily mean that just describe your projects in one line. Concise actually means there's a difference between specific and concise. Mm. That's a big issue that I see with people. They confuse concise with, they confuse concise and specific, right? You need to be specific. You need to give more um, you know, specifics around the type of project that you worked on. Like, don't be generic and say, I worked on a project. Hmm. Tell me what type of project. I want to know what industry, what types of customers did you work with? Um, how big was it? Don't just say it was big. Tell me in dollar values how big it was, right? Those mm-hmm. are specifics that add color to your resume and makes what you're talking about real instead of just copying and pasting from a job posting, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you can be specific and you can also be concise. And concise basically means only include relevant information to the role. So if you, for example, if you are going for a director level role, as an example, and 70% of the role is strategic. You come up with the strategy and only 30% is implementation. Mm. And you might have spent more more time in the implementation in your current role because Mm. you're going for a stretch. You're going for a a pivot. Does that mean that you're going to spend more time 
talking about the implementation when mm -hmm. that new role doesn't care about that? No, right? And that's what I mean by being concise is prioritize the information that is most aligned to the ideal job and either don't mention the other stuff or mention it at the, at the exact, like mirror, mirror the amount of information based mm. on what is being asked in the job posting. Wow, it's so interesting how hard it is sometimes for us to put ourselves in another person's shoes and we just kind of see things the way that we are. But you laid it out so perfectly. Why put something there that's not going to really be relevant to the person who's reading it? So then this brings us to question number two, which is almost the exact opposite. And the question that was submitted is, what if I didn't do the things that the job posting talks about? Yeah, I often hear that a lot. And it even deters people from applying for jobs. Mm -hmm. And I think when I dig deep and I work with clients and I start asking them, really, you didn't do this? <laughs> and once we peel the layers, they realize, oh, no, no, yeah, I did that. It just wasn't the exact like context. So my advice is to read the basically requirement and address the aspects that you can address, right? So I'll give you an example. Let us say um, part of the roles and responsibilities is they want someone to use, let's say, Jira, which is a tool that a lot of scrum masters use to prioritize the features that need to be built by the developers. Let us say that you used a different tool to do that, to prioritize. Does that mean you don't talk about that or you don't address that? You can make that slight modification. So it's mm -hmm. all about um, seeing if there's a way that you can address it, you know, um, while still being authentic. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the biggest thing that I see. And um, th there are also situations where people, where job postings ask for certain tools, right? Mm -hmm. And you may have done, you may have used a different tool or mm -hmm. maybe you didn't use that tool. And you have that ability to actually look up the tool and learn it because at the mm -hmm. end of the day, it's not about the tool that's going to make you great at what you do. That's something that can be learned. Um, so I also encourage people to learn some of these things especially if it's just a matter of watching a YouTube video in order to get them to apply for these roles. <laughs> so good. Now, obviously, everybody who's listening right now, if you've been through the process, this is so much more than just the tactile things that Nada is talking about here. There's a lot of almost psychological or emotional things, and that's why the coaching component comes in. So if you are working on your resume and you're feeling really stuck, or if you know somebody who's currently going through this part, share this episode with them so that they can get a better understanding of what these things are. And every single month, Nada opens up a couple more slots for her program. So check out the link below to see all the different questions and see if you even um, would be able to apply for the program to work with Nada and really give yourself a huge break by not stressing over this yourself and being guided instead by a really good career coach who, as you heard in the very beginning of the episode, she's gone through a career transition herself from chef to 
probably something else to probably something else. So she's been through your shoes and she's the perfect person to help you. Thank you, Nada, so much for this episode. This is actually a part one of part two. Next week, we're going to talk more about curating this resume and we're going to add a lot more tips. Absolutely. In the, in the, in the part two, which is going to be even at, more interesting, arguably, I do talk about using storytelling to actually approach your resume, which not a lot of career coaches teach. Because mm. uh, one of the biggest blocks for people is definitely remembering what they've done and knowing what to put in. And storytelling is a great tool to do that. So I'm very excited about the next episode. And I'll also cover some of the mistakes that people make when they are including things on the resume, mm -hmm. as well as quantifying the impact, which is probably the biggest struggle that people have is quantifying the impact of what they've made instead of just talking about what they've done. It's true. It's really, really hard, but it makes a huge difference to the eyes of the recruiter. So if you guys are interested in listening to part two and it has not come out yet, go and press subscribe to this podcast so that you get a reminder of the next episode coming out. And while you're at it, rate this podcast five-star review. Talk about how great, you, how many things you've learned from this and how great this podcast has been for you. If you have actually any questions, not as LinkedIn, link is right below in the show notes. Go and reach out to her. She is probably one of the best people that you can talk to. She's so kind. And you can find out more about what she's doing and what kind of help you can get from her through DMs in LinkedIn. So until then, we're going to sign off until the next episode. Thank you, John. It's the success. Not only to think, but to act outside of the box. You need a coach to help guide you on what your sweet spot is. What you do works, period.